I need your help. If you have your Bibles, open the second book of Samuel, chapter 12, verse 13 through 20, and then I'm going to skip down to the 24th verse. If you find that, please say amen. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And David said unto David, The Lord also put, hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Everybody go, Shoo. You ever felt like you'd done something so bad that you're scared to go to sleep at night because you're afraid to, if you went to sleep and that you would die and you wouldn't wake up and maybe you'd wake up in hell. But the man of God spoke into his life and he patted him, you know, and said everything's going to be all right. However, albeit because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. What he was saying was because that you have sinned, or any time that we sin, that we give ammunition to Satan to persecute, to belittle, to make light, or to make fun of the church. That is why it is so vital that we stick close to the cross and walk right and be right with God because when we fail, we give an occasion to the devil to point his finger at God and at the church and at you. And that's what happened with David. Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David. And it was very sick, and David thereafter besought God for the child. Even though that the man of God had told him that basically there is nothing that you can do about this. Your son will die. David still, he held on to a, a mere thread that there was a possibility that God would change his mind. And David, the Bible says, and David fasted and he went in and he lay upon the ground are on the earth. And he laid there all night. And the elders of his house arose, and he went to him and raised him up from the ground, but he would not, neither did he bread with them. And it come to pass that on the seventh day that the child died. Seventh day. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? They were scared that he was going to Goliath them. They were scared to death of him. He was a giant killer. He was a bloody man. And uh, they were so nervous about coming to him and saying that your son had died. They was fearful of their lives. They were scared. But when David saw that the servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. And then David arose from the earth, and he washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. And he came to his own house, and when he required 
They set bread before him and he did eat. The 24th verse, And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and he went unto her and he lay with her and she bare a son and he called his name Solomon and the Lord loved him. You may be seated. Sorry to make you stand so long. I want to preach to you on this, on this simple thought. Bury the past, marry the present, and bury the future. Mar- birth, or b- bury the past, marry the present, and bury the future. It's just my opinion, but I believe that other than Jesus Christ Himself, that David as a man was one of the greatest figures of all history. Probably one of the, the, the things that I like and admired about David the most was that David, since his childhood, he, uh, he seemed to be an underdog. We all have those dreams, don't we? Especially these boys always dream of winning, winning scoring the winning touchdown. And sometimes you probably was picked to be last uh, in in, in the games and kickball and high or whatever game you played, you uh, seem to be that way with, with some guys. But it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad feeling to be an underdog. It's a bad feeling to have people speak negative about you, make you feel worse about yourself. He, he, the, he was an underdog, and he, but he was an under, unexpected fighter. He was an unexpected warrior. He was an unexpected superb poet and a, a prayer warrior, a lion killer, a bear killer, a giant killer, and a good shepherd and the unexpected king of Israel. And the day that Samuel, the prophet, he strolled into the house of Jesse to search for the next king of Israel. It was there that David's father, he looked his own father looked over him. His own father didn't have faith in him and he led him to David's brothers, and he had no idea that it was even possible that David could even be, uh, remotely be anything or be a king uh, for that matter. Uh, And he was just merely a shepherd, and the job of a shepherd was insignificant. It was, uh, you know, you might as well clean toilets. You, You might as well flush out septic tanks to be a shepherd. It was a grueling job. And so David's father, Jesse, he looked past them. And David's brothers apparently felt the same way because that the day that David shows up at a battlefield when he was sent there to feed his brothers and his brother Eliab, he began to look at him and belittle him. He even made the comment, why did you leave those few sheep? Just a few sheep that you, you're supposed to be watching. And, and, but David, he, he stood his ground. And, but uh, he, was, he was a faithful, faithful boy in his young days. And I, I like the fact that he was uh, 
faithful to a sheep that wasn't even his. And I like to think that that's why God chose him to be the king of Israel because if David would have been faithful for some sheep that wasn't his, some nasty old sheep, he was willing to throw his life in, in danger to, to save a couple sheep, nasty sheep that wasn't his. Just maybe, maybe he would fight over a people of God that wasn't his either. That makes me think about the Scripture for faithful in the small things that God would make us rulers over many. What career career was more varied than David's? And what recorded experiences are more interesting and instructive and a life of heroism and adventures, triumphs, humiliations, and inward and outward conflicts? Who who loved or hated more with more intensity than David did? He was tender yet weak, and he was great yet he was humble, exciting yet he was sad, committing sin yet uh, finding a way to triumph over sin and the fall of lust. He he was a great man. It appears that some things never change. We can look, a lot of us can look at David and see our own self and our own reflection in, in David when he failed. And we're still here. We're still here. We're still part of the church. David was a great man and he failed. But the fact is, he, he was, happened to be the king he happened to be the light of Israel. He was, wasn't just somebody that was a king over a heathen nation. He happened to be the king over the people of God. Israel looked up to him. The Bible says that he, he was the king of Israel. He was the light. He, he was a giant killer, but he taught people how to kill giants. His servants killed giants. His, his cooks were, were giant killers. And he was a, a very, very important man. I have a long runway, but I'm getting ready to take off. I know you're... He was a prominent man. The visible tragedy of his sin was there was no way that David could hide his sin from the people of God. It's easy to recover from failure when you think a bad thing because nobody around you has seen it. It's, It's easy to recover over failure, when nobody else has seen you fail. But it's another thing when everybody has witnessed you fail and all of a sudden you, the embarrassment and the shame and the, and the rejection that you feel from people, and it is, it's a horrible thing to, to walk around. You, you can't hardly pick your head up and you're in shame and it's, it's just hard to live. Here's a man that seemed to have it all together. He, everything that he could ever wanted was at his fingertips. He, he had a good God. He, he was the king of the greatest people on the face of the earth. And God had found favor with him. And God loved him in a special way. It just goes to show you, you listen to me very closely, that it matters not who you are or where you're from, what your dad's name is or what position you have. If you don't guard your spirits from the enemy, that you can fall. We don't have to become a, 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 a prey to the devil, though. You have to understand something, that even though we're vulnerable to sin, even though that we're vulnerable to failure, we don't have to be subject to failure. Because if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. I serve a God that shed His blood a long time ago on Calvary's hill, and it still flows from Calvary's hill 
It still saves. It still delivers. You don't have to worry about past. God has given us visions. He has given us promises and healings and revivals. And I refuse, I said, listen to me, I refuse to let the devil take what God has given to me. I refuse to let God take my family. If I fail, I'm not going to let the devil rub my nose in it. I'm going to go on. I'm, I'm going to... If anybody had it going on, David did, but sometimes when you least expect it, uh, the devil shows up and he wasn't like he was going and looking for trouble. He was on his own porch. How many of you have ever been minding your own business and all the stinking devil shows up? There's so many people think they're above it, don't they? There's a lot of apostolics that think they're just above it, above failure. But you know, the fact is that every single one of us has a target painted on our back. Every single one of us, the devil hates because you are created in the image of God. And the devil's going to do everything in his power to destroy the image of God. I've got news for the devil. Hold on, hold on. Most of us know the story of how David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And she ended up pregnant with the king's child. David, he decides to try to cover it up. I mean, he's the most powerful man in the world, so he does everything within his power to try to cover it up. And so he has Uriah to come in, and David and Uriah don't go into his wife, and he still didn't cover it up, so he tried to send Uriah out to the battlefield, and Uriah was killed. And you know that the devil was standing there in the face of David and saying these words. But David, you're the king of Israel. Everyone looks up to you. You're the light of Israel. Don't you remember your past victories? Don't you remember when you were called to be the king and your family didn't believe in you? But you proved them wrong. Don't you remember the day that you walked onto the va- into the valley when the giant was facing you down and you threw the rock and you end up cutting his head? Don't you remember those times? And that's when the devil gets you. He starts reminding you of what you used to be and makes you feel worthless. And you don't know what to do and you become paralyzed in your spirit and you, don't, you just want to give up. Your own family didn't care about you. But you rose and you become victorious. And now look at you. The king's hiding in a corner somewhere. The man with the calling is hiding somewhere. And he's in chain. David, he finds himself travailing and fasting before the Lord for his sick and dying son. Could you imagine being responsible for that innocent baby dying? Could you imagine his position when he was responsible 
for the people of God. And he can't even take care of his own house. And he looks into that crib where that baby's laying. And it's sick. And it's dying. And he looks in the mirror. And he looks back at himself. And he says, you're the reason why that baby's sick. So the Bible says that he laid on the ground in travailing. I don't want nothing to eat. I don't want nobody around me. I'm a failure. My life is over. I'm supposed to be the king. I'm supposed to be the anointed one. Don't just don't bother me. I'm embarrassed. What do you do with the past that haunts you? What do you do when the past tries to destroy your soul? You can imagine how David must have felt when his servants come and told him that his sons died. He was a failure in his mind. What do you do? Oh, God. Let me tell you the first thing that David did. Can I tell you? The Bible says that he got up. He laid on the ground and the devil had him there. And the devil was happy because the light of Israel was on the floor and he couldn't do nothing about it. Don't you know, David, you are a failure. David says, I understand I'm a failure, but I know my past is dead, so the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to rise to my feet. I'm not going to let my past keep me on the ground. When something knocks you down and you feel like a failure, the best thing that you can do is not stay down. Because if you stay down, you won't get up. You've got to get up. Somebody needs to get up tonight. Get up. Get up. Get up. But it's too late. I'm, everything around me is falling through. I serve a God that wouldn't stay down. I refuse to stay down. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now when I say that the next thing he did, the Bible says that he washed. Bro, he had snot and tears all over his face. He was a stinking mess. I guarantee it. He didn't, he, he didn't smell like deodorant. He stunk. But the fact remained is that he had tears of repentance on his face. I'm not discarding repentance. we got to have a time of repentance. But the Bible says that once we repent, there's got to be a resurrection. It's time for us to quit crying and weeping over our past. My God! We can't afford to cry tears of repentance forever. It's time that we wash our face. 
Hallelujah. I'm so sick and tired of the devil, uh, of the people coming down here, and then they pray, and they pray, and they repent, and they repent over the same things, and they think they're doing the right thing, and I'm glad you're repentive. But listen... After there's a repentance, there's got to be a resurrection. Quit living in guilt. Quit living in guilt. Quit living in guilt. God never intended you to live there. You want to know what the next thing he did? Youth, are you just out absolutely blown away because I'm up here acting foolish? You're listening, right? This is the key to success of your future. You want to know? Ask me, what, what, say, what's the next thing? He worshiped. Hold on, hold on, hold on. His baby just died. He was dead. The very, can you imagine? Fathers and mothers, put yourself in that position. His baby just died. And we find it hard to worship when our bills ain't paid. But I'm depressed. The pastor didn't shake my hand. The music's too loud. They didn't sing the right song. Brother Robertson's not preaching tonight. His baby had just died. Somehow he found and conjured up the, the, the energy to worship. And there's so many times, and you've heard it a thousand times, that we predicate whether we worship God, whether we're having a good day, or whether we're having a great day. Listen, worship should not be predicated on our what's wrong or what's not wrong. It should be predicated, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. David said, the Lord is good, and His mercy endureth forever. I refuse to stay down. I'm going to worship. I believe that this church is a worshiping church. I refuse to be a part of anything less. We've got to keep that fire in our bones. David said, Give unto the Lord, all ye, all ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory unto, unto His name. Worship. Excuse me. Let me go back there. He said, give unto the Lord the glory. Do. 
owed him worship. It was due. That's why he worshiped. Because it was due. Regardless of his situation. Regardless. Regardless. That I don't mean to be insensitive. But even though that he had got up, and even though he wiped away the tears, even though he worshipped, the fact still remained that the problem was still there. That baby, that dead little baby, possibly, just, just amuse me right now, will you? He's laying there. He just keeps walking by it. He just kept looking at it. That's what we do a lot of times with our problems. We make mistakes. We, we put those right up front. We build things that constantly remind us of past failures. I remember that. And then what's supposed to be a testimony becomes some kind of bragging rights. And all of a sudden our bragging rights remind us of our past and it knocks us back down. The devil, it's easy to get reminded of your past when you fail. I'm going to tell you it is. And he keeps walking by the same crib. And it kept reminding him about his past. And the fact remained that if he didn't bury it soon, that that body would start rotting and it would start stinking. And it didn't matter if he didn't look at it anymore. The stench of his past would have reminded him of what a failure he was. He had to conjure up the strength. I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine. There's, I know there's people here that's done that. I can't imagine having to bury a child. But he kept looking at it. He began to bury it. So many times we suffer from situations because we fail to bury it in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about coming down to an altar. I'm talking about coming down to an altar and praying and letting God take care of it and forgetting it. Forgetting it. Quit talking about it. I said it Wednesday night and I, I, I was, it happened. Brother Langley, Brother Jim Langley said, said it. He said it so well. He said, I, you remembered that God... He had, he had done something a long time ago. It was pre-Calvary, and he had done something. He kept coming back to God. And he, God, I apologize. I'm sorry. God, please forgive me. He said he cried and cried and cried and cried, and he kept asking God to forgive him. And finally, one day, God asked him, he said, What are you talking about? He said, No, you remember that thing I did? And God said, No, I don't remember it. You put it under the blood a long time ago. I forgot it. We keep reminding everybody about failure. The way we act, the way we talk.
Oh my. <laughs> the next thing he did was he had to marry the present. His relationship with Bathsheba was built on false pretenses. It was a lie. There was no truth behind it. There was no foundation in which this baby had been born. And that's why there was no life. And when you build something that's false uh, on, on something that's false and has no truth in it, the very situation, that it will, the outcome will be dead. And it'll stink. So, the problem was that he had a child with a woman that wasn't his wife. And if he was going to ever have a future in love or a future in his kingship and a relationship with God and still remain to be the light of Israel, he needed to take care of what is wrong right now. So David had to take care of the present Our people, within the sound of my voice, that have present problems right now. There are people that you can't already talk to and look at because you have so much unforgiveness and bitterness towards them. And there's, there's people in your family, you can't go to family reunions. I, I know sometimes it's humorous and you, you can't get along at Christmas time and you can't get along at, at Thanksgiving time and, and, and you're, you're just bound by it. And you're, you're full of unforgiveness and you're full of bitterness. And if you carry it, you will die with your dilemma. You hear me and hear me well. I'm speaking this to the Holy Ghost. You will die with your dilemma if you don't take care of right now. Even if the person doesn't accept that forgiveness, you've got to somehow untie your hands because if you want to be right with God, you've got to do the same thing. I know it's a hard thing. When he looked down at the cross, at the foot of the cross, and he seen the same ones that, that, that threw rocks at him and plucked his beard, when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When he took care of the present, said it's finished. What you mean it's finished? I mean there's going to be a resurrection in your life if you take care of now. Oh my. Next thing that he had to do, last but not least, if he wanted to produce a new future, There was no future with a son that had died. And David would have always, he would have always been remembered as a failure if he didn't produce a future. Or he'd done the things, or if he didn't take the time to do what it took to produce a future. The first time he went into that woman. He went into her as an adulterer. But he said, okay, I'm going to take care of it now. I'm going to come to you as my, you're my wife. And you're my husband. The Bible says that the child that they bared was Solomon. 
you know what Solomon did? He built the church. He built a temple. Hallelujah. Listen to me, Apostolics. Cormie's Creek. Our churches, our ministries, our families, and our relationships have suffered through pain and heartache because of past failures. And the battles that were lost, the enemy has made us believe that we were finished. He has constantly reminded you. And you would think as much preaching as we've heard. And I'm not saying this sarcastically because I believe we're all in the same boat. We all regurgitate things in our past and past memories. I grew up in this thing. Called to preach. You all know it. Not to go into much detail because I, I don't think it needs to be had. But the devil had tried to destroy me when I was a little boy and I was abused. And I grew up with, with, with bitterness and I was mad. The fact remained, God spoke to me and said, I'm calling you to preach. At five years old, I would sit back there on the third pew at Cecil Sullivan's church. God called me to preach. And I remember the first message I ever preached was at Bishop Billy McCool's church. 600 people. Nervous as all get out. Fumbling with my notes. My, uh, just, just like this. We're unworthy. Feeling like garbage. And I walked to the pulpit. And I remember coming here as a young man. 20, 21 years old. And I couldn't hardly preach myself out of a paper bag. And the devil would constantly remind me who I was and what happened to me. I would preach. I would go home and lay at night and regurgitate the past. Somehow, Brother Davis... I've talked to you about it before. I had to come to the realization that if I was ever going to fulfill the call of God in my life, I had to let some things go and let go of some bitterness and put some things under the blood. I'm not going to let my past keep me from doing what God called me to do. My call was purchased with blood, and I refused to let it go. I'm not going to let the devil destroy me. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to have revival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everybody to stand up. Hallelujah. 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 I want everybody to repeat after me. I rebuke guilt in Jesus' name. I rebuke condemnation in Jesus' name. Devil, you have no power over me. And I refuse to be intimidated by what I've done in my past 
And I will birth the future. And I will have revival in my family. And I'm going to see my children, my family, my family saved in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody needs to get victory right now. Hallelujah. I'm going to take back what the devil stole from me. Do you know that song? Is that all right? Somebody needs victory tonight. I'm, I, I feel boldness right now. You better not come too close. Somebody needs to get victory. And I'm going to open this altar. And I want you to come up here. And I want you to give God your best worship. Now I'm not going to pray for you unless I feel like I need to pray for you. Now, come on. Hold on one second. Now I know for a fact that God spoke to me and preached this message. And I know you're not going to flock to this altar. I'm not... Uh, who's Michael Jackson... And I know you're not going to throw roses and all shout all over the place. But listen to me. If you're tired of feeling like you have felt for years, I want you to come down here right now. If you've ever felt intimidated to fulfill your call in a ministry, I want you to come down here. God wants to take it right now. And He wants to destroy your past and He wants to bury it. But you've got to make up your mind you're going to put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. And you're going to leave it right here. And you're not going to ever pick it up again. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song.